Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouths in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Okay, so a parable is a story that Jesus used to kind of illustrate what he was talking about, about the way God works. So the first thing he said was the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Have any of you ever seen a mustard seed? Okay, put your hand up. Oh, it's not working. There we go. That's about the size of a mustard seed. Parents, I hope you don't get mad at me. It's not a big mark. That's about the size of a mustard seed. Okay? Oh, that's, you, don't need to, you don't need to. You want to give me your hand? This is about the size of a mustard seed. It's tiny, isn't it? And God says the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It starts tiny. You might not even see it. But it's mighty. It grows into this gigantic tree where birds can set their nest in it. And people can sit under its shade. So the kingdom of heaven can start really tiny. It can even start in babies. It can start in each of you. And by small acts of care, by giving each other smiles, by holding each other's hands and helping each other out, you are like the kingdom of heaven because the little things all add up to make something huge. You ready to go to class? All right. Good job. Have fun. He's an awesome guy. Please be seated. And I will too. Ah, finally. <laughs> As the saying goes, worrying is like being in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you absolutely nowhere. The worry in which we live in this world right now leaves many of us struggling. There's worry in this room. And I don't need to list all of these worries. You know what they are for you, big and small, from the worldly 
to the very, very personal. Perhaps it's nearly impossible for us to be worry-free. Maybe we all end up in this rocking chair sometimes. So what are we to do about it? Keep rocking? Keep worrying? Keep going nowhere? As Christians, we lean on scripture for guidance. And it's full of divine gems just for the purpose of helping us with this and bringing us peace. My favorite go-to passage these days is from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Why? So the peace of God will guard your heart and your minds. When we pray, we turn it over to God. We've done that. We turn it over. We give it up. We give it up. We give it up. We get off the rocking chair. That's what we do. Yes, we worry, but we're given this tool, a very clear tool. Now, to pray, this first tool might be a stumbling block for some. In the letter to the Romans, the passage we hear today, Paul describes what might take place right in this spot, this spot where we're rocking and trying to give it up. This place where we might feel weak, weak from worry, weak in our confidence to do anything about it. He says, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. Indeed, even when we can't find or muster up the words, we're given help. Help from the Holy Spirit. Remember the Holy Spirit? Comforter, guide, advocate, counselor, teacher, all-knowing, eternal, all-powerful, no more or less than God. God alive in us. That is the spirit that intercedes for us when we need it the most. So I plead with you in your worry not to be weighed down about how or what to pray. Because it can be as simple as this. Dear God, help me with this. You can name your worry. I'm worried about this. Fill in the blank. And it's heavy or scary or overwhelming or paralyzing. So please take it off my shoulders because I can't handle it. Or it can be simp as simple as this. Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit knows what's on your mind and in your heart. And will carry those prayers for you. The Spirit intercedes for us. I had an instance of this yesterday. I was driving back from family camp, and I was consumed by the immense to-do list that I have between now and Wednesday. And I wasn't even yet giving it up to God. 
when I got a text from my very best friend and neighbor up the street, and she said in the text, <laughs> our son Nico owes us a lot of money. And so I'm sending him to you to work it off this week, and he will do anything and everything you need, packing, moving, driving, errands. And I just thought, that's it. And in the moment that I wanted to write back and say, no, no, it's okay, I'm fine. I thought that would be an insult to the spirit who heard what I hadn't even yet said. That's how it works. God loves you. God loves you fully, just as you are. Flaws and doubts and we're invited to relate to God as a child who feels safe with a father. Jesus throws himself on the ground while praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and cries out, Abba, Father. There's a deep closeness conveyed by that word, Abba. For some, you might rather use it than Father. God adopts us as his own. And saying Abba for some is acknowledging that, that you are a child of God. And in being God's children, we can trust ourselves into this care. So when we worry, if we can remember that connection that is truly ours with God and that God loves us, no matter what, we can begin to get off that rocking chair and give it up. But why? Because there is a promise that's given. In the scriptures, we're given a promise to be cared for like this. And it's not an empty promise. God does love us unconditionally. And our love of God is also important. But it's not required. It's an invitation. I invite us to consider how we love God. When do we feel that we love God? Or when do we even say that we love God? It's nice to hear somebody say that back to you. I think we say help me a lot and thank you. But what about I love you? Where can we begin that practice? I couldn't help but be in that practice in the Sierra Mountains all of this week, surrounded by the wondrous examples of God's creation. So maybe we can start there. When we see that incredible sunset, or rain, or rainbow, or mountains, or clouds, the most liked pictures on Facebook, clouds. They're universal. They're beautiful. When we see these things around us, this example of God's creation, maybe that is when we can start the practice of just saying, I, I say with the little children in chapel, I call that a wow prayer. We say help, thanks, and wow. That's a wow. And that's where we can say just wow, I love you. We can return that sentiment to God. So why is our loving God important? 
In today's Roman pa Romans passage, Paul reassures us that all things work together for those who love God. And this is good news. I believe this passage from Paul's perspective is a reminder that God loves us and an invitation to love God too. And as that love grows on our part, our trust also grows. And therein lies the promise, all things work together for good. It is a promise. And we hear it all through Romans 8. There's a confidence in this message of Paul's. But not a confidence in the people so much as a confidence in God. There's hope. And reassurance in this broken world, in troubled lives, in the thick of the worry, both then and right now. And to trust that promise that we will be cared for and heard, there is some giving up that we have to do. When we're worried about whatever it is that binds us, let's give it up and trust in this care. Because when we begin to have an example of feeling that promise to be true, we grow in how we know and love God. Do we worry? Yes. Are we uncertain? Yes. And scared? Yes. But the promise continues. If God is for us, who is against us? God's got our back. When things are not going our way or aren't as we'd imagined or hoped they would go. When it feels like everything is stacked against us or we're just plain so sad. Let us imagine how Paul did that God is for us. And that when God is for us, that is very good news. Who can separate us from that promise? No one. No one can separate us. No one and nothing. Paul poses many scenarios. Will hardship separate us? No. Will distress? No. Persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? No. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing will ever separate us from this love. We belong to God, and so nothing in all creation can separate us from this loving care. Worrying can be paralyzing. And these passages give us hope and inspiration to stop rocking and to get up and do something else with our energy and our mind and our hearts. When we put on God our worries, it opens us up to be free to do something else. I've heard some very inspiring stories and heartwarming stories of folks in this very place who have taken to the streets and passed on the love they've received here. Several of you, many, have planted seeds. You've stretched yourselves by sharing a business card. Amy, I'm talking to you, pay attention. As awkward as it might have been, you've done it and you've tried something new and 
it's resulted in growing in your own faith, in helping others, and in building relationships. You've boldly asked somebody, can I pray for you? Who does that? You do that. You show up in red shirts to fight hard for the needs of the less fortunate. You knit and cook and teach and drive and so much more for those in need. All of these acts of love are like the tiny mustard seed that when planted will grow into a tree. A tree you might never enjoy the shade of, but may it not stop you. Those acts of love are like the yeast when mixed with flour will rise and expand and yield enough bread to feed a hundred. These parables from the Gospel of Matthew are also about hope. Another promise. An encouraging promise of reassurance. And they emphasize how something so tiny, so small, like our faith, can groom, can grow, and bloom. Let this reflect our love of God, this growing. Let's get up off that rocking chair and give it up to God and turn our worries into wonder and free ourselves to make a difference in the world, loving others as God loves us no matter what. Because God's seeds can cover the earth with harvest. When you find yourself stuck and rocking, lean on Romans. Take this page home with you. Put it next to your bed. Don't forget it. Imagine the blooming that one seed can sprout when we give up our worries to God. Stand up and boldly take action to help somebody in need. You're doing amazing work right here. And I am grateful to have been a part. Continue planting. Amen.